Welcome to the Principled Podcast, brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. Hello and welcome to another episode of LRN's Principled Podcast. My name is Ben DiPietro. I'm the editor of LRN's ENC Pulse newsletter. I hope you can find it and subscribe. With me today is Cindy Morrison. She's the Director of Compliance at Pulse Holdings. Welcome, Cindy. Appreciate your time today. Hi, Ben. Tell us a bit about how you came to work in ethics and compliance and the road you took that uh, has taken you to Pulse Holdings as the Head of Compliance and Ethics there. I think like most of us, I fell into ethics and compliance. My background is actually I'm a paralegal. And I spent probably 15 of the last 30 plus years in a law firm environment. But I was in-house in 2004 at a joint venture called Soleil. It was a joint venture between Bungie and DuPont. And as you know, in 2004 is when they amended the federal sentencing guidelines. And our general counsel came to me and asked me to figure this out. I was incredibly lucky, though, to our majority JV owner was DuPont. And as you know, DuPont was kind of a, has been a pioneer in ethics and compliance, doing it before it was required. So I actually had a really good mentor in Mar- Marjorie Doyle, which many people know that are in this field. And I was at Soleil for nine years, and then they divested the joint venture. And at the time, I had the choice to go with either DuPont or Bungie. Bungie was the other... JV partner. And so I felt like it was a divorce. And did I go with mom or did I go with dad? Well, I am based here in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. And Bungie North America is in St. Louis, Missouri. So I went to Bungie for a couple of years and it was great experience, additional global experience. And then for reasons unknown to me, I was drawn back into the law firm environment for a few years. And interestingly enough, I was miserable the minute I made that left-hand turn. While I fell into ethics and compliance by accident, I feel like it's just the perfect place for me. I've spent a lot of my adult life trying to figure out actually what the definition of purpose is. And I found a definition that says your purpose is where your passion and life's greatest need intersect. And I'm naturally drawn to ethics and as a paralegal, compliance is a good fit for me. And yet when I made that left turn and went back into the law firm environment, I thought, wow, I'm a St. Louis girl. There are not a lot of headquartered companies in St. Louis. But lo and behold, the opportunity at Post Holdings cropped up. I did not know at the time that Post Holdings was even headquartered here in St. Louis. But the opportunity came up and I'm extremely grateful to be back in ethics compliance and still able to live in St. Louis. So obviously you worked in at a holding company, which is a little bit different than a traditional company. How does that change your approach to ENC? And what makes it different than a ENC at a regular business? And is there a different structure to your program because of the fact that it's a holding company? Yes, to all of those questions. I have about 16 years, minus the two-year left-hand turn back into the law firm environment, working as a dedicated compliance professional. And while I know that you always have to, when you go to a new organization, you have to obviously get an idea of the culture, the fit, the direction, but I still felt 
qualified to come into a holding company and help them. And by the way, as a holding post holdings is while we are comprised of many old companies, the holding company itself is about seven or eight years old. So it's much different. I came in and quickly realized that it was going to be a whole other landscape. The shortest answer I can say between the difference between doing compliance at an organization, at a wholly owned organization versus a holding company is there's two levels of buy-in. So for example, we are not like a top-down structure. We are, our structure is post holding sits in the middle. We're the, the center of the wheel and the spokes go out to our six different operating companies. So first I have to get buy-in because I actually have seven CEOs, seven general counsel, seven CFOs. Each of our companies from the holding company to each operating company has their own leadership. So I have to get buy-in first at the, at the operating company level, and then I have to get buy-in from the employees. And as you might imagine, it's rather confusing. So for example, one of our operating companies is Michael Foods. Well, Michael Foods owns a number of different companies by other names. And then we introduced the post logo, etc. And so it's been a rewarding challenge in that, you know, getting those two levels of buy-in. So corporate compliance is centralized, but doing that in a very decentralized structure has its challenges. However, what we do is we have what we call global policies. We have 14 global policies as well as our code of conduct, and they apply to employees of all of our subsidiaries that are wholly owned or majority owned, which pretty much is everyone. And from there, um, I've, I've worked the last three years building relationships with the leadership levels, as well as actually getting into the plants, the different manufacturing locations. I think it's incredibly important to, as a compliance professional, to put yourself in the shoes of, of your employees, whether it's someone in the C-suite or someone on the shop floor, it's really important that you understand what their work life is like, because then it helps you understand how to manage your compliance program, and more importantly, get the engagement from your employees. So when you talk about directing compliance from the center, what are you talking about? And then also when you're trying to get that consensus from those seven groups, is there a way to mediate if there's disputes among them about a way to proceed or if, they're, if you're not able to get alignment right away and there's some pushback for different reasons or whatever they might be? For starters, what I believe is right now we have moved from the buy-in position to the partnership position. So I have really strong partners at each of our operating companies. So first I'll give you a people structure, right? I report to our chief safety and compliance officer. We have a very unique structure at the holding company level because we have a senior vice president who basically sits over the three directors of some pretty risky areas. In that, I mean, he has oversight of EHS, so environmental health and safety. So if our employees come to work with 10 fingers and 10 toes, we want them to go home with 10 fingers and 10 toes. He also has oversight and a vast amount of experience in food safety and food quality. And you think about, we never want our food. We're a consumer packaged goods company. We manufacture food. We never want our food to harm any of our consumers. We've added corporate compliance in this area because if we really think about 
corporate compliance and our responsibility to help build that ethical culture and that speak up culture. My goal is in the same way that I want someone to go home with 10 fingers and 10 toes, I also want them to go home with a sound mind. I don't want them carrying concerns home because we spend more hours earning a living than we do living with the people we choose to be with. So I report to a chief safety and compliance officer, but I have partners throughout the holding company, different risk areas of the responsibility is, for example, privacy is sits with someone in our IT and our HR our group. So I have partners within the holding company. And then more importantly, I have partners at each of our operating companies. Some of my best friends are the legal, the legal department and the HR departments. And so the best example I can give you how I get the get everyone on the same page, our code of conduct is also a global document. It applies to all of our employees. When we revised our, our, our code two years ago, there was an entire committee of people involved and there were voices involved from each operating company. And so we wrote it together. And yes, you know, you could get tied up in wordsmithing, but at the end of the day, everyone was on the same page, all the way down to looking at, at the pictures, et cetera. I mean, the interesting thing is we didn't want to have brands in our code of conduct, but we have different representation of the different food products. So the reality is, unless you operate on, on Mars, all of our code of conducts, no matter what global organization we, we, we work for, there's a similarity. But to make sure that it an employee at any of our operating companies could open that code of conduct and felt like it applied to them, we made sure that the photos represented who they were. So we have a, an egg business, we have a cereal business, we have protein bars. And so while it may seem silly, that is reflected in our code to make sure we're all together. COVID is here and we're all affected by it. How is it changing the way you communicate? You guys push out training and pro just promote company culture in general. COVID's been tough for everyone, but I have never been, I've never been more proud to work for an organization than I am to work for Post Holdings. The communication has been so well coordinated and so transparent. And it's come, most of it has come from our CEO and it's genuine. As well as if you think about, we have nearly 11,000 employees. We have over 43 manufacturing locations. We are in the food industry. We're an essential business in that we need to continue to feed the world. And so it's been really interesting in communicating and helping employees understand that we have to continue doing business with the highest level of integrity. And more importantly, the message has been, we can do this. Now, when you talk about training, We've done, you know, some we've moved more to an e-learning, which we already use an e-learning platform. But one of the areas we generally try to train in person is anti-harassment, discrimination, and non-retaliation. It's just a really good opportunity to have dialogue with employees, the top and the middle and all the way to the floor. And so as a compliance professional, I've missed that opportunity, that chance to really sit down with employees. So we moved that to online training. However, as you know, as a manufacturing facility, our employees are still going to work every day. And I actually did go and conduct the training in person at a location that asked me to do so. So, you know what, I masked up, we put everyone 10 feet apart. They actually went to the 
trouble of renting the Civic Center, and we were still able to have that dialogue because it was very important to them. And we're promoting the company culture through the messaging and I think more importantly in how we're responding to employee concerns. What are the, some of the core values at Post Holdings and how do you maintain those when workers may be scattered now at home or not necessarily all in the office or, you know, wherever they might be? So core values is like one of my most favorite things in the world. And I'm going to speak to Post Holdings core values because each of our operating companies have their own core values. But I really want to speak to ours because ours are, quite frankly, really interesting. And I have very large framed posters in my office of, of our core values. And so our core values are integrity, insight. And insight is more about looking internally to gain clarity of our strengths, our weaknesses, knowledge, and our limitations. And with that insight, we can put creative solutions into action. We also have imagination as a core value, where we constantly change and adapt to meet the needs of our stakeholders. A fourth core value we have is impact, and we work with a sense of urgency and accountability to deliver superior results. And the last one is interdependence, and this is an important one because we want to value each individual's contribution, we, and it's very important that we work together and join forces to achieve our objectives. And we're able to do that across the board, because if you think about it, at Post Holdings, we're here as a resource to all of our, we're here as a resource and oversight for all of our operating companies. And we've been able to maintain these core values throughout the remote workplace because we have something we implemented uh, two years ago here at Post, and, and I'm, I'm excited that I, am, I lead this committee, and it's called Living Our Values, where we recognize employees who ex exemplify any one of these core values. We're conducting our town halls right now off of Microsoft Office Teams, and yet at our last town hall, we were able to recognize individuals who've gone above and beyond and truly exemplified our core values. So for example, our, our EHS team, we were able to recognize them for the impact they've had. We never officially closed our offices. They sent everyone home on March 16th, yet the offices are open for those who want to come in. And the changes they made so that we feel safe, the training they provided so we feel safe is significant. I know earlier this year you became a board member at the homeless assistant organization, Home Sweet Home. Beyond the satisfaction of being helping and uh, you know trying to make a difference, how does that help you make a, make you a better CECO? That's a little bit of a tough question, Ben, because I think I think the experience of both lends to the other. So, for example, it's in my nature to want to do the right thing. It's it's in my nature because I'm so grateful for where I am in my career and where I am in my personal life. I don't know that I could live with myself if I didn't give back. And as I said, I've spent 16 years in this area and I love whether I'm speaking to an audience of hundreds or just an individual and, and giving them that opportunity. And same way with the board of working on a board, I'm able to reflect on how our decisions impact us. So let me just give you a better quick example. I think good people are capable of making the wrong decision. In the ethics and compliance world and in corporate America, sometimes more often than not, that's unintentional. Sometimes it's intentional. 
Home Sweet Home is an organization that we help transition homeless people to their homes. So we work with agencies who have already selected the clients and they found their apartment and we furnish it. So our Home Sweet Home is all about furnishing hope. And these are individuals who at some point in their life or maybe someone before them made a bad decision that impacted the fact that they had nowhere to live. And so I can see that, again, it reminds me that often good people make bad decisions. And if, if I take carry that back into the, my role as a compliance professional, I think it helps me be more empathetic to the employee. And yet at the end of the day, my overall responsibility is to the individual and to the company, right? So as an organization, as a company, as a corporation, we owe our employees certain things and our employees owe us certain things. Sitting in a compliance position, I can be empathetic to the employee and I can recognize that the importance of making sure that our expectations not only align with the law and what's ethical, but also align with how our employee is expected to come in and do their job. I appreciate all your time today and want to thank you and uh, wish you uh, stay safe and healthy as we uh, move through this pandemic. And hopefully we come out the other end and get to see each other in person at CCE next year instead of virtually. Absolutely. Yes. And Ben, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you very much, Cindy. Have a good day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.